G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Hey, if you've ever struggled with the grief of losing a family member, some encouragement for you today. A new book has just been released that chronicles a family's struggles to overcome the loss of eight family members. Yes, eight family members in less than two years. It's a story told against the backdrop of the COVID crisis as it swept across the United States. This is not an ordinary family, though. It's a family made up of well-known pastors and faith leaders. Together with their father, Tony Evans, who leads a 10,000-strong megachurch, the authors include his children, Priscilla Shearer, who starred in the movie War Room. Crystal Evans-Hurst, who wrote the bestseller Kingdom Woman. Anthony Evans, who wrote Unexpected Places. And Jonathan Evans, a former professional NFL footballer. Well, they're all previously published authors who speak candidly about leaning on one another for support. Anthony Evans is joining us today. Anthony is an author. He's also a well-known Christian musician, songwriter and worship leader, and also an actor. He has about eight solo releases, and he's joining us to let us in on some of the intimate conversations between a tight-knit family and how they coped with the loss of a lot of family members, and especially Anthony's mother, the family's matriarch, Lois Evans, who was herself a published author who wrote Seasons of a Woman's Life. Anthony Evans, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I, I'm so glad to be here. And <laughs> just it, it means a lot to me to be here. And, of course, dealing with a topic like this and your family has been involved in all sorts of, really, you'd call it tragedy over the past year or two. Uh, let's talk about that, the tragedy that led you to uh, writing a book together, because this, I know, is part of what your mother really asked you all to do to work together in ministry. But uh, take us back to the, the, the tragedy. And I, I don't like to let you have to relive these things, but uh, it was one death after another, Anthony. Yes, it was. And you know what? I, I don't mind reliving it because we're now in a position to be able to use what we went through for the sake of ministry. That that makes me very happy to be able to make make good of this in some kind of way. So um, it was just a, a crazy time. I mean, losing eight family. It started three years ago with my cousin who, um, a young 38-year-old healthy mother of four who passed away, like was texting Priscilla, my sister Priscilla Shire. She was texting her about the movie they were going to go see the next day and then went to take a nap and didn't get up. Like that was, I mean, tra- all, all loss is tragic, but that loss was was sudden and tragic and she has four four young girls i mean it was just a wild experience and that in and of itself was more than enough to break your heart and then soon after that it was just my my uh, uncle my aunt my 
um, my, my grandfather, my, my dad lost his father and, and his wife, our mother, within a matter of a month. It was Thanksgiving and then <laughs> Thanksgiving he lost his dad and then the December 30th he lost our mom. And so it was just like relentless hurt. It was relentless heartbreak and and um it was overwhelming and it it came, it came to the it came to a head. It came to a point where me you you'll learn I I'm the I'm the emotional one of the bunch. I'm the artist. You mentioned me being a singer and songwriter. I'm the emotional one. My emotions have have uh, done well for me, but at the same time, it's hard when you're going through hard, hard times. And I, I really had to make a decision like you feel left and lost and abandoned in this moment. But are you going to make a decision to trust God in spite of the way that you feel? In spite of the truth of your feelings, are you going to believe that the truth of his word is greater? And that was the real life stuff we had to walk through and what we chronicled in this book from five different perspectives. It's like sitting at the table with our family um, or going on a journey with our family and discussing how to hold on to faith when life breaks your heart. And Anthony, all of this culminated with the recurring cancer diagnosis and uh, the subsequent death of your mother Lois Evans uh, that was uh, that was just yes. that was just the worst thing that happened on the back of all of the other bad things yes it was the worst it was the worst to it is the worst period in life when you believe that God can heal, when you believe that God can deliver, when you believe that he can come through, and for some reason he decides not to come through in the way that you're asking. That is, is heart-wrenching no matter what. But yes, in this case, we were asking for healing from a cancer diagnosis that came and then went away, and they were like, it'll be fine, and then it came back with a vengeance. And I remember, I remember sitting in rooms with doctors, and it felt like I was just sitting in the room with friends talk are, are people who weren't doctors talking about something they were they didn't know about i i remember excuse me having a moment where i was like does does anybody do we are we really doctors here because i feel like you are just as lost as i am and that's a really hard that's a hard place to be so yes it was a a, a recurring situation and they they told us in february there's nothing we can do like uh, on that my, my dad was being honored um being put into the religious broadcasters hall of fame and that night we were like something's wrong with our dad like we don't he's being honored tonight like he's being put in the hall of fame and something's wrong and sure enough after he got that award we went up to their hotel room and that's where he told us the doctors say we're going to lose your mom soon and we were like wait this just took a turn you say you're the emotional one and when you were faced with your mother dying you were the one who was really quite optimistic that something could be done, but the doctors just hadn't found it yet. And I'm wondering whether optimism like that is something that comes from your faith in God, the things that have nurtured in you uh, since your young years. And so you have this natural optimism. Any thoughts around your feelings that, you know, there's got to be an answer. They just, just haven't found it yet. Yeah, you know, I... I knew that there, I thought in my hum, in, in my humanity, I thought that the answer would be that the doctors one day would walk in and go, oh my gosh, there's this new treatment. We found it and you're going to go to wherever city and we're going to work on it. It's going to be great. But my optimism on a deeper level was coming from the faith that I didn't know I had until I was challenged in this way. There's this old movie called The Karate Kid. From, there's new, there's a new version, but there's an old, old version that I uh, remember from growing up. And karate, Danielson wanted to learn karate so bad. And Mr. Miyagi decided that he was going to have him waxing cars and painting fences and doing stuff around the 
house that seemed menial and like it didn't make sense at all. And Daniel got so mad at having to paint fences because he was like, I'm here to fight. And he was like getting in Mr. Miyagi's kind of face saying, I came here to fight. You have me painting fences. And Mr. Miyagi threw a punch. And Daniel used that same motion from the from the menial task to block a punch. He had no idea that his training in the everyday was setting him up to block punches and fight in a way he didn't know he could fight. I learned in this scenario with my mother that the optimism came from the fact that I was get punches were getting thrown at me and I was blocking them with a skill I did not know that I had until I was faced with something this great. So my optimism came with understanding on a deeper level that my faith is real. And the doctors say this is the end, but if you have faith and believe, this is actually the beginning of your mom being whole because I believe what I believe. Wonderful stuff. I learned that on a different level. Anthony, you must wonder where God is when everything seems to be going badly, losing family members left, right and center, and then your own mother. And you came to a point where you believed that there was a divine message in this disruption that was happening in your life and the life of your family. How do you how do you account for what God might be saying when those sorts of things are happening? Man, it, it it's really hard to find a divine message when there's so much interference. Like if it, you know, it's just <laughs> it's very very hard. And I don't ever want to discount anything and make people think that this that I sound all together now after going through this and like it wasn't really hard because I know people are listening to this right now who are in the middle of heartbreak. And what I want um, everybody to know that what made it more bearable, even though it hurt, it was the most awful hurt in the world. What more made it more bearable is, again, is that there was a foundation of faith there. um, And you really don't know how, how good your anchor works until you're in a storm. Like an anchor in peaceful waters just keeps you from drifting a little bit. In a storm, it keeps you from flipping over. And I had to get to a point where I was like, but prior to this, I really was about dropping my anchor and making sure that I was set up. But now I am like, man, I am all about having my foundation set because unfortunately life throws us curveballs. That That's what... That's one of the common threads, unfortunately, of life in general, is that's going to throw us curveballs and life hurts at times. But for me, um, really being anchored was, was, was what made the difference and what kept faith in my heart. We will often look to the pastors and leaders in our church when we're going through these times of grief. An opportunity today to check in on a family full of pastors and how they've dealt with the grief where they lost eight family members, including the matriarch of their family, their mother. Our special guest this hour is Anthony Evans. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest is Anthony Evans. Anthony and his siblings, as well as his father, have all contributed to a new book called Divine Disruption, Holding On to Faith When Life Breaks Your Heart. Anthony, let me ask you about a word we'll often use in church life, and we'll use this word to describe all sorts of people, and it's this concept of brokenness. You've had your own thoughts around what brokenness really means. What are your uh, impressions? Yeah, brokenness, when you are full of faith, brokenness is an opportunity for you to see God's power. 
That's what I've had to realize. Brokenness, um, although, again, I don't want to minimize the, the hurt and, and what brokenness brings, which is a lot of tears, but there is something about being broken and hopeless. Um, there's something different about being broken with hope than there is to be broken and hope and hopeless. And again, I would not be saying this these things uh, with my emotional self uh, if I had not faced them and understood the beauty of all that. Um, the, the, the crazy thing about this book is, again, the five perspectives with my dad, who is just about, uh, he's like a Bible teacher and he's just, this is what God's word says. My sister Priscilla Shire, a lot of people have heard her speak. She's the mispersonality. Crystal is mythological. My brother Jonathan is an athlete who has um, kind of, uh, God, why didn't you do it? Like I work out and I win. That, that's how it goes. So we all have these different perspectives on, on what brokenness means to us. But the bottom line with all of our different personalities is that brokenness is a God is an opportunity for God's power to shine in a different way, in a more powerful way than it would in any other scenario. In the book, you write, we've lost loved ones, battled sickness and struggled to make it through the toughest of days. We have sat in far too many doctor's offices, hospitals and funeral homes. Praying, waiting, crying together and alone. Fighting through sleepless nights and anxious cross-country flights. Drinking bad coffee. Seems even our scars have scars. Broken is so cliché, we've all been hit so hard. When you grow up in church life and you are used to the way that church treats dying sometimes it can be a little cliche that people go through these things but these are normal things that we will all go through a level of brokenness around the loss of loved ones this is something we all suffer together isn't it anthony Yes, it is something that no matter who you are, whether you're a believer, not a believer, whatever race you are, whatever country you're from, whatever continent you're from, this is something that we all have in common. And it is, why would you not want to build a foundation if you know that eventually a storm is going to come? Unfortunately, the storm is going to come. It, if you can't build a foundation before or after a storm, I'm sorry, you can't build a foundation during a storm, I'm sorry, you can only build it before or after. And in my mind, if we can start building our foundations now, the, the hardships that life just brings will, will be um, weathered in a different way. And that is what we want to encourage people on because that's, this is something we all have in common. This is not just about a few people. It's everybody has this in common. Well, we're going to listen to a song or two of yours as well. I mentioned in the introduction, you're also a songwriter, a recording artist. And I did mention too that you appeared on the second season of The Voice. And uh, for listeners who have followed even the US version of The Voice, we have our own version here in Australia. But uh, yes. <laughs> at that time, Christina Aguilera uh, turned her chair during your blind audition. Uh, you were eliminated in the battle rounds, but uh, back in those early times, uh, no doubt The Voice was very popular and you got quite a significant profile uh, from being a part of The Voice. And you've continued your recording career and uh, you're a praise and worship leader. I'm going to play one of your praise and worship songs, uh, but just uh, for the context here today, you've actually got a new release as well called The Promise Keeper. Uh, just give us a little insight yes. on that one and then we'll listen to your the song we've I've got chosen for today. Okay, well, well Promise Keeper um that was literally written uh, by a friend of mine named Hope Darst and and I wanted to record that song because I needed to be reminded that 
when your heart is breaking, when you're barely holding on to faith, that his promises don't change just because your emotional state does. His promises stay true and uh, whether you feel like it or not. And so this chorus of the chorus of Promise Keeper is a reminder that he just will never fail. It's and it's fun and it's 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 meant to pull you up into a place of hope. And then I think you're going to play Watch What He Will Do, which is the same thing. It's the same message in a different way of bring him what you have whether it's the biggest hurt, whatever it is, and, and watch what he will do with it. He will make it, your mess into, into a miracle. Well, our conversation today is about dealing with grief and loss, the intimate family relationships that develop when we lose family members. We'll try and open our talkback lines for you to be involved in our conversation after the news. But our special guest is also a recording artist, as we said. His name is Anthony Evans. He's one of the co-writers of the book called Divine Disruption, Holding On to Faith When Life Breaks Your Heart. News is coming up next, but in the lead up to news, let's have a listen to Anthony Evans. Watch what he will do. Bring your shackles, every shadow, lay them all down, lay them all down at the empty tomb. Bring your stresses, every question, and lay them all down, lay them all down at the empty tomb, at the
Anthony Evans is our guest today. Anthony is an author. He's a well-known Christian musician, a songwriter, a worship leader, actor, and he's joining us to let us in on some of the intimate conversations between a tight-knit family and how they've coped with the loss of a lot of family members, and especially his mother, the family's matriarch, Lois Evans, uh, who's also a, a published author. She wrote a book called Seasons of a Woman's Life. Anthony before we move into some of the issues around grief and loss and dying, yes. your mother, uh, such an important matriarch figure, and she said to you all together as a family, her children all gathered around, and she said, I want you to be doing ministry together. Is this the yes. catalyst for mm-hmm. writing this book together? Absolutely. This was absolutely the, the, the catalyst for doing this together. My, my mom just, on many, many occasions, she just was... Like we do so many different things in so many different directions. Why would y'all not be together? And and my parents, our parents just raised us to to really internalize the fact that there'll always be another opportunity to go sing somewhere. For instance, for me, you will not always have you only have one family, but you'll have thousands of opportunities to go sing places. So remember that you have one family. And so our mom was uh, was just really adamant about tying together our ministries together. And so this was a way to honor her. Um, and do this and do this project together. Lots of us who have lost loved ones will know the feeling of sitting around after the news of a loved one who's passed away and some of the ways that family interacts together and people have different levels of emotion. So some are overcome by emotion, emotional sadness. Some can be angry. All sorts of different things happen. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can let us into the emotions that... Uh, that are on display in your own family. I did mention that we talk about intimate conversations, a tight-knit yes. family. Take us back into some of those times, and particularly around your mum, and uh, but the loss of others as well. Yeah, well, I can take you in a few, I mean, so many different directions as it relates to those emotions, because I felt, we all felt them in different ways. And that's the beauty of this book is there's, you get to feel yourself in one of, uh, one of the family members. Definitely, you will feel yourself. But me... I'm the, I remember um, losing when we lost our cousin. I'll speak to my mom in, uh, in just a second. When we lost our cousin, church, we lost her on a Tuesday and church was on a Wednesday. And my dad decided to go do the service. So we went with him and went up on stage and we just sat around with microphones and talked about what we were feeling in those moments. And, you know, there, my, my family's quoting scripture scriptures and things that are encouraging them. And it was my turn to talk. And I remember being kind of not wanting to talk because I was like, right now I'm just mad. But I decided I'm going to just be honest and authentic with this audience. And I remember saying, yeah, that's great that y'all can quote verses right now, but I'm angry. And there was like a smattering of applause around the room of people who understood like I'm I'm not quick to go. I can't I can quote a verse, but I'm not quick to, to feel and experience a verse of God working all things together for good when I'm looking at you know, the loss of a, a cousin and four daughters, I mean, four young daughters who don't have a mom anymore. It, I, 
was full of anger. And, and what I realized is that there's nothing wrong with being angry. There's nothing wrong with being full of emotion. Like our emotions are indicators of what we need to really be dealing with. But I realized that there is, there's nothing wrong with um, having questions for God and being angry and having questions. There's something wrong with questioning God and in, in his, um, in his sovereignty. But I made a mo- I made a decision that moment. The only way to get through this anger is if I allow myself to feel it. Don't allow myself to do, you know, allow it to drive me to, to, to wild actions. But if I allow myself to feel it, that's the only true way I'm going to get to the other side of it. And I think that is specific for, for me. And that rolls over into the experience I had with our, our mother. I had to let myself feel. I'm, I, I'm a big proponent of therapy because I'm so emotional. I'm like, I need direction in all this. And so I am a big proponent of, 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 of therapy, whether it's the loss of a loved one, but sometimes losing a loved one in a relationship or losing a loved one that's actually still walking the earth, but your relationship with them is gone. That can be just as traumatic as losing somebody physically um, and, and to, to death. So I want the listeners to know that this is about hardships in general, um, th- those losses that we experience. But But yes, I had to feel those emotions, go through those emotions to get to the other side of them, which is returning to joy with a deeper understanding of God's truth. It's liberating to know that you're allowed to be angry and even angry with God. A lot of people feel angry with God when they lose a loved one. But when the dust settles, as you say, you return to a place of Joy, and that doesn't necessarily mean uh, overwhelming laughter and uh, you know uncontrolled happiness. The joy of the Lord, that God hasn't right. left us alone in those moments, that gives us a real encouragement and even hope. What are your thoughts here about being angry sometimes with God? But what happens on the other side when the dust settles? Yeah, I think I think that being angry with God, if you look at some of our the greatest heroes in the Bible, David, Moses, Paul. I mean, you. There were moments where there were questions, where they were angry, where they were hurt. David's heart was all over the place at times, um, and I think that we forget that sometimes we forget in, when we get into super churchy mode. Which, which I, I, I'll speak for myself. When I get into super churchy mode, I forget that there are raw stories in the Bible that tell us about people who cried out and were like, why? Like, what is happening right now? Job, these stories where you are like, this is really hurtful. It's really hurtful. I think that there is something beautiful about going to, you know, if you if you go to a doctor, the only way you get to the actual real uh, way for you to heal is by telling the truth about what is going on. And sometimes what's going on is an immense amount of pain, an immense amount of hurt, and you have to be honest about that in order to actually get a treatment set up to handle, to get you back to a place of being healthy. And that is what I have understood clearly. What, what I understand clearly now about being honest with the Lord, especially when you're going through moments like this. But but yes, you you return to a place. It's 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 so interesting to to fall in in a scenario like this, for lack of a better way to say it, to fall into the unknown and to feel caught. And I felt caught in a way that I've never felt caught before because I was falling in the way that I've never felt before. And I, again, would have loved, I would love to avoid the fall. I would love for my mom to be here. I would love to not have to have faced any of these eight close relatives being gone. But in those scenarios, that is where I felt the Lord catching me in a way and giving me hope. Um, and uh, it, it all started with me being honest with him about how I was feeling. That was me letting go and just falling in his arms. 
you've got all the family together and you're all contributing your own heartfelt thoughts to the book. And when the book is being ready for release, you've got this backdrop of COVID and uh, you've been hit harder by COVID in the United States than we have here in Australia so far. Yeah. Uh, for people who have lost loved ones or know someone, uh, give us an impression about what's happened in your neighbourhood. And you're in Dallas, Texas, about uh, what's happened with COVID and how your book makes a difference for people who are struggling with issues around losing loved ones to COVID. Yeah, I, I think that, well, here it's been pretty in, intense, as, as you mostly, as most, as I'm sure most, most of the listeners know. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's been intense. There's been a loss of, uh, I mean, not just loved ones or friends who have lost loved ones. There's been losses of jobs. There's been losses of finances. There's been losses of homes. There's been losses. I mean, the loss is kind of, it's like a global pandemic. We didn't know that after we lost our mom, obviously three months later, we were going into a global pandemic. I mean, we had no idea. And sometimes you have to search deep for, for, for hope um, in certain scenarios. But what I thought, um, and I'll get right back to your question. I just thinking about that, how, how hard I had to start looking for hope. And that one of the ways I found it was the Lord decided to take our mom home in December. The pandemic happened in March. That I, I remember sitting around in March thinking, our quarantine here happened in March of, of 2020. I remember thinking, is this God's mercy? Did he take our mom to be merciful to us so that we wouldn't have to be one visitor at the hospital allowed and, and not being able to see her or, or not being able to go in the hospital at all and her being alone? And not, like I had to even dig there and I found God's mercy even there. So it's it, it's it's created um, COVID has created for all of us. We have to kind of look at what could God be doing in this craziness um, and, and here, yes, it has been worse. Um, but what has what could God be doing in this craziness? And when you look hard, it, it's without fail you will find Him, and not maybe not the way that you thought it was going to look, but you you will find Him. And that's what um, that's what COVID has done uh, for our for our family and a lot of the, the people that we're close to. It's like a you have to pivot. You have to pivot your perspective in in, in this time. You know, there's research here in Australia saying that people are more open to God. Uh, there's official research in the UK saying that people are open to God. And there's anecdotal evidence everywhere that uh, that people are more spiritually attuned given the backdrop of COVID. So when you talk about a broader hope, and it's not just about losing loved ones, people dying, as you say, Anthony, uh, people who are struggling with the sicknesses, the loss of jobs, the relationships, problems, uh, lots of difficulties on lots of different levels. The hope that we have in Christ is applicable not only uh, for the grief and loss of a loved one who's dying, but in all of these other circumstances, there's something very practical about hope here, isn't there? Yes, yes, there's something very practical about hope, um, especially and, and practical and becomes more accessible, accessible and you, your vision becomes more open to seeing hope when you are in a hopeless scenario. And a lot of us right now, um, globally have been in a scenario where we are more open to faith, like you were mentioning, because 
the waters of life are raging and we're in a storm. Like if you were, you know, if you can swim and there's no storm, then you can just swim. If there, if the waves get a little too big, if the waves get crazy and out of control, you're looking for something to hang on to to help you to float. Because it doesn't matter how good you can swim. There's too much going on for you to keep your head above water. And that is what has happened and why you're mentioning people being more open to faith right now is because the raging waters of life have gotten a little too much, well, a lot too much. For a lot of us, even those of us who are good at keeping our head above water alone, and we need something to hold on to, that, that is what has happened globally, and that is why we have decided to do a project like this, to give people something to hold on to when um, life's waters are, are raging. Anthony, let me ask you about family funerals. And I know, and lots of listeners will know, that when you go to the funeral of someone who had an obvious, wonderful relationship with Christ, and they go into eternity knowing that salvation, that assurance, and the contrast that you might have when you have family funerals where the person who has died was not a believer and there's despair and there's emptiness and there's absolute grief. I wonder whether you've got an impression or two about your own family funerals, given that you are such a strong, spiritually founded and well-known family of pastors, what do family funerals look like for you? Um, yeah, that's that's actually I haven't been asked that. And that, that's a hard question because I have to go it back in my mind to them right now. You know, but, but it's a fine question. I understand why you're asking, you know, um, for us or for me. Um, I'll speak speak on behalf of my, myself right now, but but I, at my mother's funeral, I remember st- standing there and thinking, how in the world can I be this strong right now? Like I thought that I would break all the way down, like all the way down. My dad actually said I was worried about you the most, and for for me, family funerals, even even though they are full of sadness and heartbreak and they are awful, and I don't want to go to any more. That's <laughs> like I'm like God, thank you. I get it. You can hold. You can keep me hopeful. I don't want to do this anymore. That's how I feel currently. But if I have to go to them, which down the line at some point, unfortunately, we all will. I um, what they look like to me is as much of a celebration as I can bring myself to have. That this is not the end. That is what I'm going to do in in those moments. It it is the end of our time here on earth. But if I'm looking from an eternal perspective. Um, this will this will be very small in the rearview mirror of eternity, my time on earth, and that's what I have to remember is that I, that's what I remember. Basically, that that's what funerals have become to me is okay. This hurts right now, but there will be a time in eternity where that this will be so small, and you will be experiencing so much joy that 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 this won't matter anymore the way that it does in this moment. And that's hard. That's that's not easy. That's a hard thing to think about when you're standing there and looking at your mother who's no longer physically here. You carry memories of the ones that you lose, especially your mother, and uh, even responding together as a family and writing a book, knowing that her final wishes were do something together in ministry as a family. The sorts of things that get passed down from the patriarch and from the matriarch of our families, these all of a sudden become very, very important when we think uh, if we're going to lose our family leaders, will we all scatter uh, how important is it, do you think, that your mother made those sorts of comments about doing ministry together and and family is important? Any thoughts here about, because sometimes people might feel as though the family just disintegrates when the patriarch yeah. or the matriarch goes. 
Yeah, I think that it's it is one of the most important things in society today to establish that. And if it was if it wasn't established for you the way that it was established for our family where we grew up sitting around the table and every night, you know, as kids you just want to be left alone and go play your games or whatever, but it was like, "No, we're going to sit here at the table. We're going to have conversation. We're going to establish in you now what it means to have this family." These these few people on the earth that have your same DNA right here at this table, we are going to establish how important that is. I think that is how um, I was actually able to make it through was having my sisters, having my brother, having our father and us, us realizing that this is something very unique that you you only get one of. Now, I know there are people listening who are like, whoa, I don't have family like that. Like, um, whatever it is, broken families, uh, issues, sometimes families break apart because of issues. Um, but you have the option of starting that kind of, of legacy for yourself. We all have the option of how, what direction are we going to go right now? And Psalms 128 talks about, um, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. His wife will be a fruitful vine. His kids will be like olive shoots around his table. And what we don't realize about olive tree, olive shoots is that they eventually become olive trees that live for thousands of years. I believe that if people think about legacy that way, of this day-to-day mundane stuff I'm doing to connect to my family is going to is create olive shoots that will turn into olive trees and legacy for generations will come out of us taking the time to just sit around this table tonight. That is, this book hopefully will bless millions of people and that will be because 30 years ago, our parents had to sit around the table and understand the importance of having conversations with our family. Now that conversation is global and going to help people with broken hearts. We did not know that back then when we were sitting around the table. That's the beauty of legacy. Well, the value of this book will be how a godly family deals with grief and loss. And for the family or the person who's listening in right now saying, but I haven't come from a godly family. I'm wrestling with my own faith in Christ. I know that there'll be tragedies like this ahead. I know there'll be grief and loss with family members. How do I deal with that as a godly person? And I imagine, Anthony, your book is going to contribute. And really, it's Raw conversations and people, when they read it, they'll pick up all sorts of different things from different contributing members of your family, but just around the way that a family thinks through issues and how you actually, uh, you know, how you uh, take those and, and, and apply them into your own life as a follower of Christ. Uh, there's going to be a real legacy there. Hey, we're running out of time. I just want to ask you one more thing. Uh, there'll be more tragedies ahead. And uh, I don't want to be a prophet of doom or anything, but, of course, you're in a big family. And, you know, you lost eight family members quickly. No doubt there'll be other losses that will come into the future, hopefully not in any quick succession now. But when you've been through what you've been through, the preparation for your own heart, your life... uh, how do you describe what makes you bigger spiritually, bigger and stronger of facing these things for the future? Any thoughts here? Yeah, in the same way that going to the gym every day over time makes you bigger and stronger, that is what spending time in prayer does. That's what spending time with the Lord does. That's what, for me, going to therapy in addition, there's nothing wrong to me with Jesus and a therapist. That's a whole other conversation, but that's I, those things that may seem mundane those things will ultimately make you bigger and stronger. Whether it's you coming to faith right now, you're just kind of figuring it out, whether you've been there a long time, because there will come a moment, just like you mentioned in my family, unfortunately, like I don't even want to think about it, but 
where we'll experience loss. And hopefully it's years and years from now, but that will come. And it's the mundane things to make you bigger and stronger that when the weight of something like that falls on you, it doesn't negate how much it weighs. It, negates, it, 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 it determines how you handle the weight. And I think for every listener, doing the things that seem mundane to become bigger and stronger will help when, life's, when life is weighing you down. We might be encouraged by Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. It's the testimony of the Evans family. Anthony Evans has been our guest over this past hour. Anthony is one of the contributors with his brothers and sisters and his father to a new book called Divine Disruption, Holding on to faith when life breaks your heart. It'll be available at online booksellers everywhere. No matter where you're listening, you can get a hold of it. Divine Disruption, Holding on to Faith When Life Breaks Your Heart. Anthony Evans has been our guest. Anthony's written another book too called Unexpected Places. Thoughts on God, Faith and Finding Your Voice. Uh, He's also been the star of a movie called Caged No More. I'll let you do your own searching if you want to find out more there. But Anthony Evans, uh, wonderful getting your insights. Uh, All the best with the book. And uh, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks so much for having me. Loved it. And Anthony, we'll finish with another one of your songs. This is Anthony Evans and his song Fearless. the choices I make Do I listen to your voice, Lord? I go my own way Will I have more excuses today? Or will I give you my life so you'll use me
Anthony Evans, Fearless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.